You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Dan McAvoy begins a discussion on the importance of choice. for the series that we're starting today. We're actually going to talk about divine decisions and the decisions that we make really kind of determine, you know, the trajectory of our life. And so I'm excited as these kind of partnership. And I, I didn't even think about that till recently, like this group starting up and we're talking about this and God just knows what he's doing to orchestrate this opportunity that we have. So I want to jump into the series today. And the reality is that you and I, I mean, we make choices every day. Like Captain Crunch or Wheaties every day, right? We're just trying to decide which one to go with. Some of the decisions are really easy. But there's a lot of small decisions that we make that can be so significant that we're going to be talking about in future weeks. But there's so many decisions. There's so many options. The other day, a little while ago, I was trying to buy toothpaste. And I thought that would be a simple thing to go. And I don't know, I may have been bought in toothpaste for a while. It just shows up in my drawer. But um, one of these days, I'm like, I need some. So I go in there and like, have you gone to the toothpaste aisle lately? It's ridiculous. It's an aisle of toothpaste. There's a whole line de- dedicated toward it. And, you know, when I was a kid, toothpaste was like, it was Crest and there was AIM. That was it. And, and, and they had this marketing campaign with AIM was, you know, it tastes great for kids. And so kids loved AIM, right? My, I begged my mom for AIM toothpaste, okay? There wasn't a lot of choices. Nowadays, listen to this. These are the type of choices you have. Whitening, optic whitening, advanced deep clean, pro clean, max fresh, scope, desensitizing, anti-calcus, anti-plaque. You know, just the list goes on. But my personal favorite I found is this. This, if you're going to have toothpaste, you're going to have bacon toothpaste. <laughs> have you seen this before? No. I'm thinking there's a lot of wrong to that because usually I brush my teeth to get the bacon flavor out, but they put it back in. And I was thinking, gosh, I mean, is this, I mean, we're still trying to fight, get our kids to brush our teeth. I don't know if that's going to help or not. Okay. So there's all these choices we have. Okay. You, you sit down or you gone through with friends or you go out and like, okay, where, honey, where do you want to go to eat? Well, like you choose. And so choices are not, nowadays, it's not you just drive somewhere and find a place. Well, that sounds good. You get online. Maybe you don't do this, but my family sometimes, we get online, look, okay, check Yelp, check these reviews, check this, check the content, the menu is gluten-free, you know, all these, all these different choices and everything. Well, let's do a Facebook poll and find out where do you, should we go to eat? At the end of the time, you're kind of exhausted. You're kind of like, I'm not hungry anymore. I think we're moving on. Find that in TV viewing. We're the next Netflix culture, right? All these plethora of choices. When I was a kid, now I sound really old, when I was a kid, Whatcom County, we had 4, 5, 7, 11, and then the 80s, we got Q13. Woo! <laughs> and then there was a period of time, my parents couldn't afford it, we didn't have cable, and so we had KVOS, Channel 12, that was it, that's all it came in, and then if you, if in a good day, if the atmosphere is fine, you can move those, those rabbit ears, a little foil on them sometimes, and you could get some Canadian channels, you could get the 2, and the 6, and the 8, and you know, it was beachcombers or curling, that's what you got from Canadians, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Canadians. We appreciate you. What to watch nowadays with Netflix is this. You ever, it's not what's on and what, it's what else is on. So you, you swipe. You just, we just spend a lot of time swiping. Nah. How about this one? Nah. That's dumb. How about this one? Let's, oh, let's, then you watch it like two minutes. Like, that's dumb. I'm like, next one. I don't feel it. I'm not in the mood. I don't know. You just keep going through. And like, you can spend 45 minutes swiping. 
You're like, I've already wasted TV, just time watching TV. I'm watching, not even watching anything, I'm wasting time, right? And we get caught up, and I find, I don't know about you, at the end of the day, don't watch anything. Don't, don't make any decisions. And I think there's a real condition that affects us all. There's a real kind of, it kind of plagues our world of all these options that we have, is that the condition is indecisiveness. We live in a culture that is plagued with indecisiveness. Indecisiveness is harmless if you're trying to, you know, can't decide on toothpaste, but it can be very detrimental to your life when it comes to the real life choices that you have to make. There's a, there's a point in your life where there's a fork in the road. You got to choose which way are you going to go. Some of us, you, know, you might be graduating either high school or college. And what I mean, people ask, what are you going to do next year? You know, you're going to go to school. You're going to do something online. You're going to join the military. You're going to, you're going to uh, get a job. You're going to just play Xbox all day and live with your parents the rest of your life. Okay, these are choices. That's, and parents are like, please don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Dating, should I stick with this person? Should I, or should I change? Maybe there's someone better. Job search, should I, should I take this new job or find something else? Big purchases like cars or houses. When you come to those moments, those decisions, you know, should we have more children or should we, you know, pat, you know not? You know, should we go? And some of that you can control. Some of it you can't sometimes. There's surprises along the way. But here's the thing. These are only sampling the the crossroads we face, and it comes down to life or death decisions. But one thing, one thing, I want to remind us as we start this series today is this. Decisions, you know about them? They They can be ignored, but they're not avoidable. Decisions can be ignored. You can put them on the shelf, you can wait till later, but eventually you're going to have to make a choice. You can't avoid them. I think they still do this in school. Did they still do Scantron? You fill in the bubble. You do, you, some of those are like, you, you know, just some, some of you made Christmas trees with them. You know, like, I have no idea the answers. I'm just going to make a design. Not a good strategy. But you would A, B, C, you know, and then like D was all above. And then they went E. E was none of the above. And that's really confusing, right? But in our lives, many times we kind of wish life was a Scantron. All that we need is a number two pencil and fill it out. And yet real life, real life comes that we have to choose. There's no option, none of the above. Here's, here's the thing you and I have faced is this. I'm coming to choices. One of the issues I think can be indecisive of this is it, what grips us is, is fear. Fear of the past. Fear of the bad decisions we made that we don't want to make another bad decision. We don't want to have to do this all over again because you and I, we can look back in our past and I can, I can look back in my past and that's not proud of the things I've done. I can look back and I reacted to people poorly. I lost my temper. I've wounded people. I've, I've too many times I've said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing. And it all out of my selfish, sinful desires, I've let God down. I've let myself down and let others down. And you have too. You've ended up in places and done things you never thought you'd do, and you're paying the price that you never thought you'd pay because of the choices that you have made. Here's the problem with it is you still have to make choices. You still have to make decisions. An indecision, an indecision is a decision. Choosing none of the above is, is, is a choice still. And many times our indecisions can be the worst decision. Rather than choosing, choosing of all the different options. And I think we get something like parallel. We're going to, we got all these choices. What's the best one? 
And yet we can be so indecisive and not choose any of them when we don't take a risk in our life. And I'll tell you, as we're going to look at here today, that not stepping out and taking the risk and making a decision can be detrimental to our spiritual walk. In fact, there's a incredible passage in the Bible that I want to look at today. It's a great account. In fact, I would say it's one of my favorite accounts. It's just so dramatic. And it's about the prophet Elijah. He's a lone prophet. And during Israel's probably the lowest spiritually deprived time in its history. And it, it starts off with, with Elijah going to King Ahab. King Ahab was really, really bad dude. But you know what was worse? It was his wife. His wife was Jezebel. And Jezebel, both between them, they were not just disobedient, but they were just flat out evil. Evil people that did evil things. And they caused the people, they swayed the people influence to worship false gods, to worship idols. And so Elijah, called by God, comes before Ahab in boldness and says, you're wrong. This is, this is evil, what you're doing. And so somehow Ahab comes against him, but there's a challenge that, a- that Elijah puts out that Ahab says, I'll, I'll take that challenge. And what it was is to gather all of Ahab's false prophets, 450 of these false prophets to gather up in Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was this epitome, this place that they would gather up high and there would be this showdown that would take place. Elijah, the one lone prophet of God and these 450 false prophets. And so they're all gathered on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said these words. He says this, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, Follow him. Now listen to this. This is so significant to all that we're going to talk about today. It says this, but the people said, what did they say? Nothing. Nothing. The one statement sums up the spiritual climate of this nation. They were waffling spiritually. They, they, these people were indecisive. And I need to tell you this. And as you look at the story and you study the story, you look to find that the indecisiveness was not happenstance. It was their choice. And it wasn't the choice at this moment. That was just a symptom of the greater choice of all the choices, all the decisions that led up to where they're at. The people at the time were indecisive and it brought calamity in their lives. And it wasn't just because of their disobedience. But I'll say it this way. It was their lack of obedience. It's not just making sure you don't do the wrong stuff or the bad stuff. It's when you don't do the right stuff. You're not obeying what God's called to be. And you take your foot off the gas pedal. This is what the people did. And they stopped pursuing the Lord. And all this led up to that. And what happened was when they led up, they let their passivity settle in. When they pulled away and pursuing the Lord God Almighty, they let evil lead their lives. Ahab and Jezebel really are a result of their compromise of their spiritual morals. What happened is their, their passivity led to apathy and it led to a place of spiritual really debauchery that had taken place. And the silent majority was cowardness and they failed. 
because they didn't decide. They could not decide. It was their indecision was symptom of this greater problem, greater issue in their life. They couldn't commit. Now, many times I think of commitment. I don't know why you get this picture with me, but uh, if you ever, I don't know if you ever learned to water ski before. And water skiing, I think, is, is it's really fun once you get up on skis. But I don't know about you. I, I drank a lot of the a lot of the lake before I got up. And once I got up, though, it's like you know, you just and then you're like, ah, I got it. This isn't bad. This is pretty good. And you're just kind of going back a little bit, and you're like. You know, turn it up, you know, and then you're gone, man. You're feeling the wind in your face. You're just, I mean, it's a rush, right? But you know what's interesting with water skiing? Pretty soon, you kind of go, this is kind of boring when I'm just in the wake. I want to go over there. I want to, you know, you had the buddy, I had a buddy, you know, he's a slalom skier, and he's way over here, and the boat's here, and he's like, yeah, you did. You know, he's hanging in, like, I want to be that guy. The problem with water skiing is you learn, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you got to commit, right? So like, you're going to, you got to turn those skis and then you kind of have to kind of jump that wake and then you get out there and you're, you're doing pretty good, but you've got, you got to turn, you got to make a commitment, but you've maybe done this. And I watched people water ski before is they, they're like, Oh, I kind of want to get over the wake a little bit. I want to kind of do this. And pretty soon they're over it and then they're over it. And then they're, then they're like this. Have you done it? Have you seen this skiing? This lasts about five seconds. And uh, this is painful right here. Can, I might need help up. I, I think I'm okay. And you, you're committing to this. You, you're you're, you're going to cl- crash. What you have to do is you got to turn. you got to commit. And then you get over there. And you're, you're riding it. And, you're, and then you go back and you get back in there. And our lives this way, I think many of us, we fail to, to commit. We, can't, we struggle pointing our skis in the right direction. And what it does is it, when, in a, when, it, when, when we can't decide, our indecisiveness leads to instability. James put it this put it to this way put it this way. He says, "But let him ask in faith, without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." indecisiveness leads to double-mindedness and we're not which way to go and we get wish-washy spiritually. What should I decide? Should I go? Should I do this? And it, it just, it affects our, our walk with God and our commitment to God. And that's what was happening an example with Israel. They were warned, they were told, but they didn't listen. And their indecisiveness led to the calamity in their lives. And I've seen it over and over and over. As a pastor, many years, I've seen well-intended, really godly people blow up their lives. Time and time again, even this last week of a, some people we've known long ago, and what, and, and I just, I'm amazed, amazed, like, why would he do this? Why would this happen? And a lot of times we see people's decisions like, we look at that, why would they blow up their life like that? And I've, when I talk with people that have done this, most people don't all of a sudden go, you know what? I'm going to leave my spouse. I'm going to walk off my job. I'm going, to, I'm going to quit church. I'm going to quit my faith. Nobody chooses like that to do that. There was a lot of deliberate, sometimes even decisions they didn't even plan to make that they made along the way that got them off track. And it, but as I talk with them, and maybe you, if I talk with you and in your life, you could say this happened. You at some point drifted in your faith. What happened along the lines is that you kind of just took your foot off the gas of pursuing God's in your, in your life. 
You stop praying, you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to church, you, 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 you pulled away, and there was this drift that took place. You, did, you got out of a, a fellowship, a spiritual fellowship with other believers in Christ, and you took your foot off the gas, and it led to passivity, and it led to lukewarmness, and there was a drift, and there was a drift, there was drift, and then on top of that, when that, that void took place, what happened? Other interests come in, other loves came in, other opportunities came your way, and you got host because you allowed yourself to go there and to go there and to go there. And, and, and what's scary about it is this, this is, I hope this scares you. When my wife, I heard the news this week of this couple and what happened, it, it shook us to our core. These people we know it shook us to our core. And I want to shake your core. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. And I tell you, if you don't think it'll happen to you, you are in big trouble because that's denial. And when you are in denial, you have no safeguards around you. When we're in denial, we take our foot off the gas pedal and we coast a little bit. I know this sounds corny. When you coast, you're toast. You are. Don't be that guy. Don't be that woman. Bible warns us this. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and will like nothing better to catch you napping, to keep your, so keep your guard up. You're not the only one plunging into these hard times. And the same, it's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. Hang on. Don't become passive. Pursue God and who he is. And I tell you, when we do that, when we keep that work, and we keep our foot on the pedal with God, and we keep pressing in, we keep pressing in, and it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. doesn't mean we make bad choices along the way. We will. We learn from those choices. But don't allow yourself to drift. You coast, you toast. So here's the thing. What do we do then when it comes to decisions? This series is about making good life decisions. We ask this question in this series, and we will for weeks. What is God's will? Everybody asks that. God, what is your will for my life? I think along the lines, we hope to answer that. Along the lines. It's not an easy question. But I want to give some direction for us today. I want us, as we begin this, we're at the fork of our, our road and why of our road or where we're at. We have to make these decisions. Which way to go? I want to give you some thoughts here, just preliminary thoughts, lay some foundation. And really, it's based on what does God care about the most? So the first is this, you can write this in, is it's about who before do. It's really about who before do. Elijah is someone that we admire because he knew who he was. He was called by God. And yes, God used him as we're going to read some supernatural ways of what took place. But it was, it came down his faithfulness. Everybody else, think about this. Everybody abandoned God except Elijah. Elijah, what we find, it was his character and his integrity. Can I tell you, it's for God, you want to know God's will? It's this, God cares more about who you are than what you're going to do. He really does. He cares more about you, who you are, your character more than what you do. The Bible says this, God wants you to be holy. Maybe you've read that before. Be, how, do we, how do you be holy? I mean, that's, that's, that seems not very attainable. But when you look at the word holy, you know what it means? It means set apart. It, is mean, it means to be different. It means that we don't have to take on the attitudes of this world, the mentality of this world, the temporalness of this world, the choices that other people make. We don't have to make. We don't have to decide that way. We have another way and to separate ourselves. And what we do is this holiness is moving toward Jesus. 
becoming like him. See, Jesus is way more, way more concerned about your character than your career and even, say, even your calling. It's not about what God wants you to do. It's about who God wants you to become. Who God wants you to become. Let me, let me ask this question. I'm going to take a little. In the first service, it was really rough what happened. So I'm a little, I'm a little skittish on to ask this question here in this service. Because I didn't really like the response of the people in the first service. But I'm going to try because I think these, you people are better people in the last service. That's not right. I'm just kidding. Um, with, anyway. Um, but I'm going to ask a question. Do you feel like that? And I hope you're a good mood to ask this. Are you, do, you, do you feel like... I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. Does anybody, anybody say that? Thank you. Thank you so much because I actually literally, it was blank stairs. I walked off the stage and I was going and going to my car. I was going to leave. No, I'm kidding. So thank you for that response. Maybe some people were in the first sort of helped out a little bit. Here's the thing though. I feel called as the pastor as well here. I feel called in that what I'm doing. But my calling is second to my character. I could preach the most amazing sermon. Oh, it was so good. And I can be a jerk to my wife. Am I in God's will? Not at all. I could just love our pastoral team and our staff and everything and just be, just be nasty to my kids. Is that God's will? No. I could, I could really, you know, do a good job of making sure we steward the finances of the church, but then my, my checkbook's, through, you know, down the drain. Like, I'm irresponsible. That's not God's will. God's will isn't way beyond what I do. It's who I am. Our character really counts. And it's the same thing for you. The same thing for you. As you go through decisions, people are thinking, well, you know, should I date this person or not? Listen, be who God called you to be. And you'll find the quality people around you. You'll find the quality person that he wants you to be with. Worry about who you are and then where decisions you have to make. You know, should I move in this place? Should I take this other job? Should I do this? Should I do that? Listen, be faithful to God where you are here. And you'll be faithful down the road wherever he leads you. These are decisions that we're faced every day. It's about not what to do in your future. It's becoming what you are in the present. And this is the, I think it's an incredible promise. If you, if you come the right who, God will help you be the right do. Okay. And I was recording, but it's true. If you become the right who God will help you choose the right do. When you become who God wants you to be, when the choice comes, when the moment comes, you'll know you'll be able to choose and make the right decision. One of my favorite promises of God's word when we do that is this trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You'll know when you get to the Y in the road, you'll know which way to go because you've trusted God up to that very place. Another vital thing to worry and God's concerned about the most is this. It's about the why before the what. It's about the why before the what. Amazing about Elijah was that it was his boldness, but also his humility. And I love why this is my favorite story. It's like an Old West duel in the drama here that unfolds. One prophet of God versus 450 false prophets. And the challenge that Elijah brought before Mount Carmel, all the people was this. You guys build an altar and I'll build an altar. I'll put a sacrifice, lay it down, and you do the same. And we'll both call on our God. And who's going to 
come down and send fire from heaven. And so Elijah, being the good gentleman, he says, fellas, you go first. And these 450 false prophets are going crazy, and they're trying to appease their gods and God of Baal, and they're trying to do all this, and they're, you know, dancing, and they're frenzied. The Bible says they're cutting themselves and beating themselves up. They're doing all they can to appease their God. And, and all along the way, hours go by, and finally midday, it says Elijah told them, he taunted them. He says, shout louder. He said, surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he needs to be awakened. Like, this is a little bit of sarcasm, right? The prophet had. Nothing happened. And they finally, the Bible says they gave up. And Elijah says, okay, my turn. So he steps up and he says, you know, let's put a, this is not, let's put a little bit of water on this. So they pour more water on the, you know. So they, they were calling for fire and putting water on already. Do it a second time. Do it a third time. The place, you know, the whole altar, the sacrifice is just covered. Water's, you know, basically pouring out. And Elijah prays a humble but really bold prayer. And he says this, at the time of sacrifice, the Lord, or the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I'm your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So the people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And Elijah prayed this prayer, but the motive was this. He was not to be the hero of this story. What did he want? He prayed that the people would turn to God, that he would be Lord. He would get the spotlight. He would get the credit for it. I tell you this, our motives matter most to God. He, our, our, the why what we do is more important than what we do in life. Bible says this, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. That's what he cares about the most. But I've discovered my, about myself, I know enough as this, that I have the unbelievable ability to see myself. I have the unbelievable ability to see myself. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, a beyond cure. Who can understand it? Nobody can. Our motives really, truly matter. So if you're at a place like I am sometimes, man, do I have the right motives, God, and what I'm inspiring, what I'm doing, the decisions that I make? Here's a great prayer that, that, that David prayed. When you're at a place of decision, God, am I doing it for myself or am I doing it for you? Am I doing it for make myself look good and my status or am I doing it to help others? Here's a good prayer. Lord, search my heart. Know, test me and know my anxious thoughts. That we would do that. Lord, God, what is the right? Do I have the right motive? And I find time and time again that I struggle. I struggle, and I, I'm, but, but I get better. I get better in examining my motives well, what is God's will? I'll give it practical. Is God's will for you to get a new car? Nothing wrong with a new car. You might be able to afford a new car. But is your new car for status or is it for transportation? <laughs> Think about that a little bit. What are, you, what are you trying to accomplish with the new car? Maybe you want to compliment somebody. And this is really, really subtle. You want to compliment somebody. Are you really complimenting them because you really think they look great or they've done great or give accolades to them? Or you really want them to love you back? Is that, what's, what's your motive? Are you posing for a photo and you post it? And is it for letting everybody know the fun you're having and the people you're with and what you're doing and celebrating life? Or is it making yourself look good? Your status, your style. Like, oh man, that person's really cool. Man, he, he or she, they got, man, they look, they look good. They must do CrossFit or something. 
It's subtle, isn't it? What's the motive behind it? And Paul challenges this way. Am I, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, he says, I, I would not be a servant of Christ. He wouldn't go through the abuse. He wouldn't go through it all. He went through in the persecution. It's about having the pure motives. And when we do, this is the promise when we do. If you're driven by the right way, by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? When you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? And Paul says this. He says, whatever you do, I think that's powerful. Whatever you do, Colossians says this, whatever you do, this is whatever in word or deed, whatever you, whatever you do, if you're, you work at a, you know, shift worker, or you own the company, you're, you're a student, you're a teacher, you're, you're, you're you know, you're shift worker and you, or you're a stay-at-home parent, kind of whatever you do, you're like, man, I just, I'm loaded up in laundry. It's all laundry. Clean clothes for the glory of God, okay? Diapers, all the clean bottoms for Jesus, okay? Comes down to whatever you do. He says, do in the name of Jesus. That's the motive. I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it for his glory, for his work that he's going to do. I tell you, when we start serving God right here with the right motive, he'll help us with what's out there. And he says this, give thanks to God the Father through him. And that's really what Elijah did. Listen, he prayed this humble prayer and God showed himself powerful. Listen what happened when he prayed. It says that fire of the Lord fell and burned on the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the soil, and also looked up the water in the trench. Wow. When God does a work, he does it. He does it amazing, doesn't it? Doesn't he? And what happened was the once fickle people, listen to the response when they saw this. When all the people saw this, they fell They fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They didn't go, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. No, they go, God, God, God. God, you do the work. You do the glory. And you receive the glory for all of it. Now we read this and go, what an awesome story. What an awesome ending. Wow. And you know, whoo, way to go. What an awesome God. And way to go, Elijah. And all the dudes. And we look at that and we love happy endings. But we look at our own life and go, well, it's not always that way, Dan. It doesn't always end that way. Did Elijah know how it was going to end? No, he didn't know. He didn't know. And I want to remind us of this, that Elijah took a risk in his faith and he was rewarded. But many times in our life, we're not rewarded. One day we could be in heaven, you know, if it's eternal work that we're doing. But really, it's just an act of obedience. Let me just remind us what God cares about the most is it's about commitment over cost. It's about commitment over cost. Every choice we make, yes, has a price. We're going to make a choice. When we choose someone, we go this direction, it's, it's going to affect someone else. We step out of our comfort zone. We make these huge sacrifices. But even when it costs, there's a bigger issue. The bigger challenge is the commitment. Because we, if we always focus on the cost, we get a bit entitled. Look how much I'm sacrificing. Look what all I'm doing. And get what gets off is our motive again. It's not about the cost. It's about the commitment that we're willing to point our skis and get on the other side of the wake. And we don't know on the other side what that's going to look like. That's what God's called. And Elijah stepped up, made that choice. You and I are called to make the commitment. Decide. You choose. When we go into this week and go into this world, let's decide. Let's not be fickle any longer. Let's not waver between two opinions. Make the choice. I'd like our team to come.